you have entered the Muni Matrix. Please welcome your hosts, Matthew Gerstenfeld and Michael Lieberman, co-founders of MuniChain. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Muni Matrix. Today we are joined by Liz Sweeney, president of Nutshell Associates and board member of the MSRB. But before we dive in, first a quick disclaimer. The Muni Matrix is for informational purposes only. Any opinions expressed on this episode should not be relied upon for investment purposes. Your use of the information is at your sole risk. Hello, Liz, and welcome to the Muni Matrix. To kick off, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you entered the world of Muni's? Absolutely. So first, thank you so much for inviting me. It is such a pleasure to be here today. So I started in Muni's about 30 years ago at S&P Global Ratings. And at the time, I didn't have a particular affinity for public finance. Like a lot of folks, I wound up in public finance because that's where they hired me. And um, that's just been one of the great, you know, great good fortunes of my career because I've, I've really fell in love with, with our asset class. Um, so I was a credit analyst in public finance there. I was at S&P for 25 years, covered all the sectors, uh, worked on a lot of rating methodologies. And then about five years ago, I founded Nutshell Associates, and we're a registered municipal advisor, and we do public finance consulting. And uh, so after being at a really big global firm like S&P for so long, and S&P is a well-recognized, you know, powerful brand. Um, it's just been an incredible, you know, adventure of you know personal and professional growth, having my own firm. Um, so I, I also joined the board of the MSRB about a year and a half ago, and as you know, MSRB is the primary regulator for the municipal securities market. And at this time, I should probably say that my views are my own and don't necessarily reflect those of the MSRB or its board, uh, but we are a 15-member board. We have an open public application process, and my experience on that board has just been an incredible experience and privilege. That's fantastic, and I would say the municipal market is very fortunate to have someone such as yourself to represent the board and all the facets of the market. So diving into here directly, you know, the FDTA uh, is the topic at hand. And I wanted to know, now that it is law, how do you foresee the FDTA changing the market overall? Sure. So the FDTA, Financial Data Transparency Act, became law at the end of 2022. So just a few months ago. And it applies to eight financial regulators. Uh, So it's not just about munis. It includes Treasury, SEC, FDIC, the Fed, several others, and um, but the MSRB or Muni market is included in there, and um, it's really not out of the blue. It had been introduced in Congress three or four times before it finally passed, and I see it as a continuation of several laws in recent years that really move towards greater digitization and standardization of data collected by and disseminated by the government and regulators. So if you've ever heard of the Data Act or the Open Government Data Act or the Great Act, 
you know, those are all things um, that I see as sort of a continuation that culminates with the FDTA. And at its core, the FDTA establishes that information collected by those eight covered agencies will be machine readable. And more than that, the critical information about the semantic meaning of data will be transmitted with the data itself. So it's more than just digitization of data, it's including the meaning of information along with the data. So to accomplish that, you have to go beyond just digitization because just digitizing data still requires a lot of human intervention to interpret the meaning of the data. So for example, if you take the PDF version of a municipal annual comprehensive financial report, ACFR, and you transform that into Excel, that's helpful, but humans still have to do a lot of interpretation in order to understand what that information is and what it means. So to get back to your question, a lot of the information that's collected today by the MSRB is in PDF form, which is, is not digital, that's an image file, and that's been the required standard for issuer disclosure on EMMA since it was created in 2009. And so the fact that so much of information in this market is in PDF form just drives, you know, so much about the daily daily life, you know, in the muni business, um, you know, how documents are created, how they're disseminated, how they're consumed. And so the FDTA, one of its aims is to remove a lot of the friction and the inefficiencies of, um, you know, disseminating information in forms like PDFs. And so that could open up a whole new front of data analytics where you no longer have to spend your time, you know, downloading PDFs and trying to manually extract information from them and move into a world where data is freely available in machine-readable form across the entire market, which would give users a lot more capabilities to surface insights from the data. And to me, so to me, that's one of the most exciting possibilities enabled by the FDTA. Yeah, that's great. And it's really important what you're mentioning, because it's something that we're trying to tackle right now at MuniChain when it comes to being able to upload documents and being able to extract the text and valuable information from those PDFs. So you were talking about data standardization. Would you be able to jump into that a little further and tell us how XBRL will come into play under the FDTA? Yeah, so the, the FDTA talks about this idea of making information machine readable and conveying the meaning of information along with the data itself. It talks, and in order to accomplish that, you need to use data standards. So data standards are a way to use common definitions for what things mean. They're a way to uh, make information machine readable. They're a way to tie definitions to existing standards like accounting standards. So XBRL is a data standard that does the kinds of things that the FDTA requires. So the FDTA doesn't mention any particular data standards. It describes the kinds of things that data standards need to do 
in order to be um, uh, applicable under the FDTA. So a lot of folks sometimes conflate XBRL with the FDTA because XBRL is so commonly used, especially for financial reporting, and dozens of regulators around the world do use XBRL for regulatory filings, including the SEC, the FDIC, the FERC. Um, so it's quite common inside and outside the U.S., um, but it is one data standard um, that is uh, quite good at uh, the kinds of transformation that we we will use in the muni market. Um, but it's the 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 choice of data standards will be up to regulators uh, under the FDTA. Well said. From what I gather here, it sounds like these standards are coming into play now, but may have not been ideal in the years past. So is it safe to say unorganized data increases costs to muni stakeholders nationwide? So I believe so. Um, You know, I, I think that we have the muni market is a very probably the world's leading example of a market that provides excellent access to capital for, you know, sub-sovereign and non-profit entities. I think it's a very successful market. I also believe that buried in the cost of the market, which is borne by issuers one way or another, is that there's a very manual process to unlock information from documents in our market. And that's a very slow, it's a brute force manual and duplicative data acquisition process. So every time an issuer uploads a disclosure like an ACFR, you know, every firm on the street is doing duplicative and manual work to try to unlock both the data and its its semantic meaning. So every rating agency, every bond insurer, Every bank, every buy side firm, every insurance company, every data provider, they're all duplicating that work. And I'm not an economist. I don't know how to measure that cost, but but we know it's there. So I, I think there, there's more to it than the, just the cost of data acquisition. I think because data is so hard to acquire, we are very limited in our market in the ability to answer some pretty basic and relevant analytic questions across the entire asset class um, because we can't aggregate the data. So, for example, which cities have the highest reliance on hotel taxes or which school districts have the least reliance on state aid or which universities have the lowest liquidity? You know, these are questions that are relevant to an efficient market that today, for all you know, practical purposes, we really can't answer. Absolutely. And it makes perfect sense that you couldn't place an actual cost to the market, but obviously it's noteworthy overall. Some market participants have been saying that the disclosure system works. So why do you feel that the FDTA is forcing the muni market to fix something that isn't necessarily broken? So I think that's a really good question. And again, I I think our municipal market has been for a very long time, just a a leading example of, you know, a market that provides excellent access to capital. So I think it's a very successful model. I think that that can be true at the same time. 
that the market has a lot of friction and inefficiency in accessing data. And um, so the FTTA, it tries to preserve what works about the market. So for example, it doesn't change or add to existing disclosure requirements. And it gives regulators flexibility to try to uh, minimize you know, regulatory burdens, particularly on smaller entities. So, but at the same time, the FDTA attempts to modernize access to data, timeliness of data, the cost of data acquisition, um, and just in general, you know, enable more modern data analytics, which are important to fair and efficient markets. So thinking about the typical documentation for a municipal bond transaction, how is the FDTA going to change that aspect in particular? So I think there's a lot to be determined on that front. Um, the FDTA, is, if if you've ever read it, it's fairly short. If you, uh, it's embedded in a much larger law, but if you just look at the FDTA part, portion of it, it's only 19 pages and it covers eight massive regulators. So it actually leaves a lot to be determined by the regulators in implementation. So it lays out principles. It lays out the principle that there should be machine readability. And it lays out the characteristics of data standards. But it doesn't say exactly how each regulator should accomplish that. So in the case of munis, the SEC is charged with creating the rules to implement the FDTA. And all told, it should take, you know, four years or more to, um, you know, to go through that entire process. But presumably, they would look at the body of information that's collected today by the MSRB and make some decisions about, you know, which of those types of information should be subject to machine-readable taxonomies. And even within that, which portions of documents need to be machine readable. And there's a lot of attention that goes to annual comprehensive financial reports in you know, discussing implementation of the FDTA to the muni market. But the MSRB collects a lot of other information, which theoretically could be subject to the FDTA's mandates. So in addition to ACFRS, MSRB collects trade reporting, indices, official statements, preliminary official statements, material event notices, quarterly financials, budgets, demand statistics, political contributions, regulatory forms uh, of other types. So um, the law is fairly broad in that it requires all, quote, information collected by the regulators to meet the FDTA standards. But I think in practice, there'll be a lot of decisions that need to be made about exactly what that's going to mean for each market, including munis. And even within that, you know, you could uh, have portions of documents be machine readable and other portions not, as, as you'd see today if you pulled up a 10K or 10Q from a corporation on Edgar, you'll see, although it's a machine readable document, portions of it are not. So I think a lot still to come and a lot of decisions that need to be made over the next couple of years. 
Absolutely. And the FDTA uses a lot of terms that we're not used to in munis, data standard, taxonomies, and machine readable. So Liz, why is the FDTA so specific and how will the unique features of the muni market be taken into account in the years to come? So I think that gets back to the the goals of the FDTA being that we want information to be machine readable and we want that to be more than just digital. We want the the semantic meaning of data to be transmitted with the data itself. And so in order to accomplish that, you need taxonomies that use common definitions so that you when you transmit the meaning of some piece of data that of two parties transmit the same type of data that they'll describe it the same way. So you need common definitions. Um, you need a way to make all that machine readable. You need to tie those common definitions to existing standards wherever possible, like a GASB accounting standards are one example. So you need all those things to come together. And so the FTTA wanting wanting to make sure that all those goals are accomplished, puts those terminologies in, in order to make sure that those goals, um, you know, are, are accomplished and um, that they go beyond just simply, you know, digitizing data without capturing that, that next level of importance, which is the meaning of the data. So I kind of want to pivot away and try to start focusing more on the impact it's going to have to the participants. In your opinion, how do you feel that the FDTA will benefit issuers and market participants as a whole? So I think, you know, these transitions can be pretty painful and stressful. And I think there's going to be kind of a lot of turbulence over the next few years. This market has operated the way it has for for a very long time. So I don't want to minimize the trauma and the very real anxieties of market participants who are looking at a pretty substantial change. I I think it's the biggest change in uh, disclosure in in my career. And I was around when, you know, there was everything came by mail. Um, So I'm hopeful that uh, there'll be benefits for both issuers and other market participants. So we talked about market efficiencies, you know, the price discovery and efficiency benefits of having data be cheaper, more efficient to access. Um, So taking out that cost of manual data acquisition and allowing data to be more freely available across the entire asset class has a lot of market efficiency benefits. And I think everybody benefits from that. there's also some benefits for issuers, which aren't often discussed, but there are built-in quality rules to most taxonomies that can help them ensure that the filing has certain quality uh, aspects. So, for example, uh, financial data in an audited financial report should, uh, you know, certain certain columns and rows should. Uh, add up, certain accounting rules should be met. And if they're not, the um, 
technology tools will typically kick out an error to the issuer to let them know that the filing they're trying to file has a mathematical error and they can correct that before it makes its way to the regulator. So there's some sort of built-in quality or business rules that often will help improve the quality of filings. Um, There's also a lot of duplicative reporting that municipalities do. Uh, They often, in addition to having to report to EMMA if they have debt outstanding, they uh, will also have grant reporting. Most municipalities have federal grants, so there's grant reporting requirements. They also, most states do a lot of fiscal monitoring, and so states upstream, a lot of information from local governments. All those reporting needs have a lot of overlapping um, needs and, and data elements. And so if you can create one sort of digital source of truth for that information, issuers could potentially report once and all the different use cases, all the folks who need that data can go grab it without having a lot of duplicative reporting. Uh, I think it'll take a while to get there, but you know the FDTA opens up possibilities for things like that that we didn't have before. Wonderful. And, you know, what's really interesting is you mentioned a lot about change. Um, You highlighted receiving notices via mail, and now it's amazing to think the capabilities of computers overall and how much data could be aggregated and extracted and honed in upon for uh, analysis. So at face value, where should market participants direct their focus towards technology-wise moving ahead? So certainly in terms of the FDTA, I think it's going to unfold over several years, but I think it's really important for market participants to stay abreast of developments, to participate in the process. I think for this process to work well, you know, it's new to the muni market. I think it requires the participant participation of the entire community of practice. So that means investors, issuers, auditors, academics, um, all should be part of the process to make sure that the, um, you know, the implementation of the FDTA is technologically feasible, is practical, is usable, is going to meet users' needs. You know, all those things is cost effective. Um, all those things require the participation of the, you know, the domain experts. So contributing to working groups is important, contributing to the SEC process, making sure that your voices are heard either as individuals as, or as part of your professional societies, I think is going to be really important. Um, in terms of other technologies, uh, it, I think it's, There's always other technologies in the muni market to keep an eye on. And um, I think there's a lot of focus that I'm seeing right now in trying to improve the workflows of um, market participants. So, you know, any workflow, any analytic workflow right now often involves pulling data from multiple data sources. So if there's one data source that has audited financials and another data source that has, you know, demand statistics and another data source that has, you know, governance or management information, trying to pull those all in 
to one, you know, workflow, I think is a big focus for a lot of firms right now. And I think we'll improve, you know, we'll improve a lot of processes. Um, and then, you know, there's emerging technologies like, um, you know, blockchain, which could have some implications or use cases in the muni market. And I think will be interesting to um, to follow. And again, I think just staying abreast is is one of the you know most important things we can do, and make sure that our our voices are heard with you know with regulators and other folks uh, as as technologies evolve. Well, on that note, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Muni Matrix today. And Liz, thank you very much for sharing all of your knowledge with our audience throughout this podcast. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Muni Matrix by MuniChain. To be a guest or recommend a topic, please contact the Muni Matrix at munichain.com. Stay tuned for another episode.